Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Mental Health Awakening and in today's episode um, me and Angela are joined with Justine and it's going to be a really interesting um, conversation and topic today but because today's topic is emotional health surrounding visual impairment and related perceptions. So Angela, over to you. I'm Angela Jackson. I'm the face of the Jackson Impact Mental Health Solutions. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Tennessee, the USA, partnering with the UK today. I'm excited to be here and ready to learn. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and over to you, Justine. Apologies for that. Um, I'm Justine. Hi, I'm Justine. I have been visually impaired since birth. And overall, generally, I am a singer, but I also have a, a passion in teaching and raising, rain, excuse me, words coming out all iffy today, raising awareness and uh, currently full of cold, which is where I slightly sound a bit off, but I'm grateful to be able to talk on this podcast today at all. So I'm honoured to be here. Yeah, it's good. It's good you're here, Justine, because like, we never know what happens, like, like what's going to happen or, or anything. So it is good that you're here today to talk about this topic because um, especially like, like as Angela, you, you, you will remember with um, when we had Kieran Pierce on the podcast, he kind of introduced you to the Mighty School Council. Yeah. And Justine is one of the um, people who's with um, the Visual Impairment Group. You're, you're one of the, um leader i think uh, justine so like i didn't really know much until you kind of introduced it and and everything so i've never learned more from you (laughs) thank you i'm really grateful for the opportunity to be here but also as you rightly said yes i am one of the ambassadors on the visual impairment group and of the multi-schools council in its entirety and it's really as i said before it really is important for me Um, individually to help break down the stigmatization that goes on not only with visual impairment but with other conditions and especially you know relatable conditions and things that get said which really people don't think about but if we can raise awareness so that perhaps we because we should always challenge but without ever feeling that we're you know we're ever causing offense or just saying things that people really don't have a clue about and how they can sometimes sound yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree because like um, it like it's a it's a complicated topic in a way because like, like you say not like I I mean I, I don't find many people that actually talk about it really like raise awareness of it so I, I kind of appreciate you coming on today to talk about it because I think it will educate many people um about um what it is and how it affects you it always seems to me that when people do talk about it they seem to hide themselves away until there's something that they want to gossip about and and of course each to their own and I'm not here to say that one person should do this or another should do that but if you don't talk about these things and raise public perceptions then how do you expect change to happen for the children of tomorrow because we're not doing that by just keeping ourselves to ourselves that's not what's going to make the change. Justine you're so right about that and you know a lot of times things are not heightened, topics are not brought public or normalized until there's a tragedy that has to be discussed publicly. And we, regardless of where we are nationally, 
internationally, we have to be more proactive about raising awareness in these topics and areas you know that that pres that presume to be uh, that are presumed to be underserved, and um, yeah, we're glad to we're glad to hear from you. Thank you. It's great to be here, as I said. Yeah. So, Justine, if you could kind of take us into your topic a little bit about um, maybe to to anyone who's unaware of what um, visual impairment means or or is, if you can maybe explain a little bit about what it is. Okay. Sure. Well, as I said in the introduction, I was born um, what they describe nowadays as severely sight impaired, but back in the day would have been described as being registered blind. Um, I've, uh, my sight is never changing. To me, it's like, I call it the shadow land because in my left eye, there is nothing at all. It's only in part of my right eye that I have the smallest amount of vision, which does help me to get around more familiar places and things like that. But um, everyone's level of visual perception is very different with visual impairment. Now, also for my particular circumstances, I have a condition called septo-optic dysplasia, which means that my, um, the back of my brain was not um, grown attached to my optic nerve. So the way it was described to me if you can describe the back of your eyes as an electrical appliance, the optic nerve comes from that, but it does not quite reach to attach to the plug socket, which is the back of the brain. So that's something that happens during pregnancy where the optic nerve doesn't grow. And again, there can be variations of that. But for me, it meant that I didn't start growing until I was five with medical intervention. And um, excuse the background noise there. Um, and it also meant that I have no immune system, which is why I get unwell very easily, though it's more under control now as an adult than it ever was. And I remember a lot of my particular circumstances growing up. And as a child, it was a case of that I was taught by sighted parents, uh, sighted people, like teachers. And it was very alienating for my parents who have not only which I can understand how a lot of parents feel when their child is diagnosed, but very alienating for them because of the fact that they're having to go into this blindly just as much as I am. And to be taught by sighted people who have not had that experience, I can imagine how daunting, daunting that must actually be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like, like I think like you said before, like, like, like you said, like if people like like you, like people who actually who who have got that, like and and know that experience, like how it feels, like personally, if if people like that are actually working in that environment, it will. But like you say, if people that don't talk about these things, change what happen. So, like yes. I think with, with with things like that, if if it, like more people like you, more people that experiences personally work in that area more people will be aware maybe of of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Justine, can you share with us the types of things that you um, share as far as the work that you do as far as advocacy? Are there are there certain tips or tools or certain things you train on? Well, in as, as it goes for me, I'm a, a volunteer. I've always been a volunteer because certainly over here in the UK, 
there is a very low rate of people with visual impairment actually being employed unless it's in office work, which is a terrible stigmatization. So for me, I always had a passion for teaching, but when I went to work in a visual impairment unit um, of a school, in fact, that I went to and their VI unit, I was one of the reasons it opened in the first place, but they basically made any excuse to not give me a job. And I've had that in many situations. But what I do like to teach privately, because I like to help people as far as I can, I'm not held down by being part of one systemic approach or another. So what I do is, you know, I try and comfort and relate to people through the power of music, because I'm also a singer songwriter. But there, there are so many things involved. One thing I always say relating to my own experience is never be afraid to ask because I'm more offended by people feeling they can't ask rather than the fact that they can. Ask or you don't learn. Ask or you don't receive the information you seek. That's something I do. And also I like to help people understand about sensory awareness. I will challenge anybody. Stand in, if you like, a pool and shut your eyes. Only allow yourself to perceive what you hear and feel around you in every other sense but seeing. Then bounce slightly in the water and really feel that motion, not how it looks or how it's perceived by the outside world. Focus on that inner sense and the feeling that that sensation brings to you. That's what it can feel like to really experience things without seeing it. Because seeing isn't believing. Believing is, fe believing is feeling and sensing it for your true self. Excuse me. You, you've made some really great points and, and I'm definitely intrigued um, by what you just said as far as feeling overall. You know, I, I can think of courses that I've taken where we talked about cultural competence and how mm -hmm. it, it really is important to ask questions if you're unaware of specific things about a certain culture. And yes. that's also important as it relates to different populations of people. I deal with chronic illness and I can relate to people being nervous or even um, ashamed or sometimes saying things that are offensive because they have a lack of knowledge. And if they would only just ask questions, that opens the door for more education. So I, I really like that you pointed out the need to ask questions. That, that's a great way to connect if there's a population or a situation that you're unfamiliar with. Well, it's a sad truth, isn't it? Because you get in any disability or walk of life, you always get people who are crammed into one labeled box. Just as in the supermarket, you will get chocolate in one section, bread in one section, milk in another. The same thing seems to happen with types of people like, you know, in some movies, you'll get people who are only classed to one group or table. But life isn't really like that. We only perceive life is like that because that's what we allow ourselves to think. And what's been heartbreaking for me over the years, when I used to say volunteer in a preschool, I used to walk home. And afterwards, I remember one particular day, a mother yanking her child out the way and I was walking home with my cane at the time and um my, and the mother was saying move out of her way she'll hit you with that stick mm -hmm. and 
it was a child I only spoke to earlier on that day who had asked me why my eyes move and I'd explained to her about because that's another part of my condition and it doesn't happen so much now but I I also have um what's called a nystagmus which means that the eyes move around with no control whatsoever because of the nerves behind them are just basically not there so I'd been you know really teaching that particular child about it that day and when you hear a mother say that all, after all the work you've done to teach them differently it's 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 terrible it's terrible because the only things we the reason we know what we know is because we're so conditioned to believing this is this that is that um sweets is sweets but we never actually really think about the depth behind it yeah that 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 is it, it really like affects your day that like a situation like that because like like, like you say as much as you're helping them try to understand and then you feel like you don't know society like, comes along and basically runs it down with a bus as effectively as it is you know yeah yes yes and, you know, it reflects back to what you just said about um, being ashamed there as well. I realised that certainly in my younger years, I mean, we all go through issues as it may be in our teens and our young adulthoods. But something that I've realised over the last few years is that my feeling ashamed was not because of perceptions I had about myself. It was because of how the system and society itself tries to make people be, quote unquote, normal but we don't ever look for our own version of normal. We're made to feel ashamed because of what people perceive of us and expectations. Just as a parent has an expectation of a five-year-old without really realizing that that's harming sometimes rather than really helping them to grow. I hope that makes sense. It, it does, it does. You know, labels can be very hurtful. Mm -hmm. um, the stigma uh, that comes along with different conditions and mental health overall, they can be very hurtful as well. And as a parent, I can, I can see the point that you're trying to, that you have made, not that you're trying to make, that you did make, is that sometimes children are not viewed as people. They're not viewed as equals just as much as anyone is. Right, right. And so a lot of times as parents, we condition the children and we model certain things so that they develop not in, the, not in their purpose or not with the qualities and the habits and the talents that they have. We're trying to rear them a certain direction that might be different than their personal interest you know even as a child even as a five-year-old so uh, for I'll give an example like you know someone may want their child to play baseball when really their interest is visual arts or painting or, or some kind of uh, difference like that so it's important yes, exactly. that we take the time to learn pay attention be observant get involved with the things that our children are interested in so that we can nurture what is already in them. So yes. you, you definitely have made some great points. I wanna ask the question, do you work with other individuals who are visually impaired? I know you mentioned 
there, there's very few as far as the population in the UK, but are you able to volunteer with other individuals who are visually impaired? There was one that I did try to help out with once, um, a young child, but there was a conflict of interest between the, the parents wanting this child to be a certain way, and you can't teach somebody who won't teach themselves. You can only do so much for them, but when they're refusing, to do things for someone else's best interest. I have no, I, I can't help people like that, but yes, I could volunteer with people. And I do hope with all my heart that one day there may be a child or even a young person that will come along that will be able to help make that difference too, because that's a, a large part of my purpose. I've known that for a very, very long time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. I think it. Like, it, it's good that the way the way you you talk about it, uh, Justine, because, um, like, because you never know. Like, if you do things like speaking out, like events, like um, turn your story to other people, you, you never know that there might be just some person reach out to say that 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 they are similar. Um, they have they have that too, because it is it, in a way like. But we never wish we have these conditions. We don't. It's not planned, is it? It, it just happens. And exactly. Like, of course, we, we we would rather not have it. But and then you feel like, what would I be without this condition? And then you kind of, in a way, embrace it. Although it's not all going to be nice. Every day is not going to be good. But we mm -hmm. might have our better days and our not so good days sometimes. That's it. That that's exactly it. And it's an argument I present all the time when people say things like, why can't you be normal? I say, well, we didn't ask to be born this way. Did you ask to be born this the way you are? Did you ask to be born narrow-minded? No, but you've grown with it and you've become conditioned to it. We may have these conditions, but what can we do right now to make the most of them and to do something with them, to bring out our abilities rather than our disabilities because those don't exist. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, and I don't like those words like, like um, like what you say. Like I, I like having <coughs> saying an ability because like you say yes. it's an ability, not a dis. It, it kind of that dit is what you are. If you're saying that to someone, like um, even like it, it's annoying. It, it, it is very annoying. Like for example, like if you have a disabled badge and you, you, there's a stigma around having a disabled badge if you're not in a wheelchair, uh, which, like, we could... It's always about appearance. It's always about appearance, isn't it? Like, how you Putting look... on the show to the outside world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's a stigmatised, especially the types of school that I went to, because I went to a mainstream school, but then I also went to a special school. And in a lot of that, it was about you know, not how much your parents loved you, but it was about how much your money, money your parents could afford to bring you up in that perfect image, which was what made you normal. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the people that I would have known back then would laugh at the fact now that, and you know, it's, it's what it is right now. You know, it doesn't mean to say that it defines me, but right now I am a council tenant. I have other, you know, there's a stigma around people who are on, for instance, benefits who don't have a job. I've been sat there and sneered at before because I don't work in an office like everybody else, but that's just it. That's everybody else. It's not me. 
it's not what defines me or makes me happy and I'm not going to do something just because I'm told I should yeah I, I, I always believe that you should go with your gut like what you're feeling and um like if you feel something's not right like put, put your voice forward because if you don't put your voice forward who, who else is going to mm. do that who else is going to think your thoughts exactly and it used to really upset me when I was younger because I didn't always feel that I could do that because as anyone would know when you've been spoken down that much it starts to eat away at you and you can only take so much of that yeah yeah absolutely yeah kind of brings confidence into it as well doesn't it because like I think most of us when we're younger and you go through all these really tough battles like you're not going to be confident to speak out Uh, you're always going to think about something else that what what if I said that that might happen I wish I could do that I wish I could do this but my theory of that is confidence is never ability you just have it's something that everyone grows into just as a plant will grow towards the sky confidence grows in each of us in the same way yeah I agree I agree with that and you know it, it does grow and you know what you nurture that's that's what grows when you nurture positivity when you nurture um all of those things the the self-reflection all the things that make you who you are nurture your traits nurture the characteristics that's what grows that's what builds stronger and you know sometimes it is difficult when you are faced with different stigmas when certain labels put into a box some people actually begin to nurture those negative condescending feelings and then that ends up growing and it fosters more self-doubt. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very important to nurture those positive things. I love the analogy um, relating that to a plant or anything that grows, you know, when it's fed, when it's uh, groomed and fostered in that way. So. Well, when you look at a seed in that way, yes, a seed may be small, but there's power in that seed and therefore it should not be devalued. The seed doesn't say, I'm a seed. And all the other plants look back on it and go, oh, you poor thing. What can you do for yourself? Well, I grow. I'm as important as you are. So there you go. Yeah. That's the same with every one of us. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's not a race, is it? Like, I say, yeah. who, who can grow the most confidence? Like, like you say, it's, it'll take time. Like, like I, I wasn't confident when I was younger. I, 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 like you Justine I went I, I, I was at mainstream and I went to a special school so I know it, 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 it's, it's, it's two different experiences but it's all dependent mm-hmm. on the schools and the, the, the structure of how they do things but um, I think if they it's, it's, it, it, like it's, it, everyone has their own different journey where we're all different so if we all had the same confidence it wouldn't be ideal <laughs> because we would know what we're all thinking wouldn't we <laughs> we'd all be each other's throats like monkeys in the zoo wouldn't we yeah. well not monkeys but I mean animals in general yeah. like we'd all be scratching each other's throats like oh my heavens I just can't imagine how the world would be it'd be terrible yeah but there's so much undervaluing that does go on but then also another strong believer I have is no matter what your ability no matter what your difference is your gifts what shows so something for me is 
I'm also a bit of a storyteller. So regardless of whether a child may be visually impaired, whatever their difference may be, I see their, their abilities. I kind of connect with them. And I'm pleased to say that I love to be able to bring those out in them. And it's something that I really honor and appreciate to this day. That's awesome. Justin, you mentioned that you're a singer, a songwriter, and now you've mentioned that you're a bit of a storyteller. Tell us a little <laughs> bit more about that. Tell us about your interest in music. Well, I've been singing since a very young age, like many have. You know, my unfortunately, they don't have access to them because they're on the old style videotapes. But my parents, as far back as when I was about two, three years old, had video footage of me singing and dancing at home. And, you know, I always had music interests throughout school. Like, I was always singing, playing the recorder. And, you know, I did a lot of writing my own songs for GCSEs and, and things like that. And then for years, because I lost my confidence because of how systemic college was, I lost my confidence in terms of singing and feeling appreciated. But then I reconnected with singing and I've realised that it's not all about the commercial side of things because you may well feel that you fail at the commercial things, but failing presents you with a new opportunity to, to, to discover a new path. So to me, I, I understand when I was a child, and I always had favourite singers who meant the world to me. I'm not going to disclose names because I would get very, very embarrassed. <laughs> but I did have favourite singers and they were always like friends to me, friends that I didn't always have in those days. And, you know, it, it's beautiful to connect with that ability that I've been able to have that influence on other children. It's like a full circle. And to be able to bring comfort to them, help them to feel loved and supported in a way that sometimes the world doesn't. That's my real reason, my purpose for it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I think it, like, it, it, like, it helps, doesn't it? Like, if you're having a down day and you can either put like a song on that like, you enjoy, and then, you, like, what, what I picture when I listen to a song or soundtrack or anything, I picture I'm there. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I picture I'm in that uh, place where, like, yes. it's, your, it's your comfort area or, or somewhere. You, you just picture it when you're listening to the song and then you're in your own little world for a little while. Yes, absolutely. Or you can imagine you're there with that singer. That's some, that's the real beauty, isn't it? Because it can transport you anywhere. I spoke to a, um, somebody special, to, important to me the other day and we were having a discussion that music is the greatest gift, the mm. gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, music it, is it universal definitely. yes it's the one language that everybody and everybody can relate to and speak excuse me yeah yeah like music is just like i have loads of like i, I suppose i i don't have a well everyone has favorite songs and stuff but yes you, you, you can but it's hard to choose a favorite song because there's so many good ones out there <laughs> it's it's so true especially more as time and music has developed, it does seem to be the case, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Always new songs, <laughs> all the time. And, mm. and then the old ones are sometimes just as new as any new song that comes out. You can discover a song, as I have recently, from 10 years ago, and actually it has so much more meaning to you now than when it did back in the time it came out. Yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. um, 
like you said you're like like with songwriting justine like yes. how like how, how does that impact your mental health would you say because I, I suppose it's a lot of a lot a lot of pressure to think of the words maybe or like to put it all together like how, how does that affect you mentally well I, I actually love it because it really does fill me with a sense of the power and but also release and as you will know probably mason when last year i wrote um, an album for the multi-schools council for um, a few young solo artists and to be able to put their words on paper to be able to connect with them and bring their words into physical being so that they can tell their story that was the most beautiful thing and the most powerful thing to be able to be that such a part of yeah yeah you you do really good with your music justine because um <laughs> thank you because uh, he did um I think it was like a, a song. I can't. It's a while ago. I think it was. And he did a song with. I think it was the Monty School Council Choir. I think. And oh, what, all stand strong. Oh yeah, that's it. All, all stand strong. <laughs> uh, that's it. And I remember going to. I think it was Autism's Got Talent. I think you're before. Yeah, oh yes, yes, I remember that. That was before the first lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, yeah, yeah, that that was pretty good. That was like um. The good thing about also got talent, there's no sort of competition. Um, no. It's just all doing what you can. I think more competitions should be like that. Like it shouldn't be a winner as such. Although it's nice to win, <laughs> but um, of course, but it should be yeah. a showcase of equal talent. Yeah. Because otherwise, when we start thinking competition, this is something that I certainly felt felt when I was in doing competitions. It makes you feel that if you're not the winner, you're not good enough. It sets the, the standard that other people are always going to be better than you. All it means is they do different to you. And when you're a young person growing up with that mindset, it can be very damaging to one's own emotional health. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And like through the years, you watch all these shows like X Factor and stuff like that. And then yes. you see like the judges, how they speak to the contestants, even though they might be not, not, like they're like maybe not one of the best talents but that, that could really affect them and their mental health like yes exactly you don't know what that could affect they could have on like they say some shows but what about these competitions some of them still exist today yeah that's the real damager if in my opinion anyway yeah mm. it's it's very hard isn't it like because that a contestant might think they're really like really good and, and they join themselves and one little comment, even one word can, can bring them down. And, and, but I think in the way how they talk to them, even today, some shows do need to improve and, or, or just be axed. <laughs> yes. Axed <Yeah>. from them. <laughs> yeah. I completely agree. It, yes. it sounds like you do some amazing things with the multi-school council and, you know, we were having a little bit of a conversation before the podcast, and yes. I was sharing with you that um, as a as a mental health counselor, I've worked with only two visually impaired clients in within my career. One was a child, one was an adult, and one of the main interventions was always music. Um, yes. The adult, he actually played an instrument. Um, he was a singer, you know, he did some recording 
um, in his own space. He created that little stage for himself. And when I yes. say, you know, I don't mean literally little, it was just, he did his own thing and he, yes. he just created his own um, opportunities. And for the child, he responded very well to the musical toys and things of that nature. And I did yes. a little singing myself. You know how it is. Early yes, yes. elementary or preschool, they love the songs. They love the musical toys. And oh, yes. I learned just in those hands-on moments that music helped, helped to, it helped me to connect, you know, and they it really also, does. it was just, yeah. it was an overwhelming response from them. So what are some things that you would suggest yes. to, to um, a seeing individual who, who will work or who does work with people who are visually impaired? What makes the greatest impact? Especially with a child, two, well, three words, actually. Something that I have a sighted nephew and it works with him too. If you're trying to relate an experience or uh, teach them about something, musical story time works a treat. Bring as much music and physical things for them to actually feel so that they can actually learn through eyes anew. Give them that experience. It will teach them everything. Yeah, yeah, I could put you agreeing. Music is filled with life, I think, with everything now. Like with most jobs, you will find music there, even films. Uh, or, yes. or, like you will not find, I would say, it'll be very rare if you not find any music in a, in a te television program, a film. Um, yes. It, it may not be a song, it could be just be a soundtrack, and that's counted as music. So, isn't yes. it? So, most of them, yes. um, be pretty yes. dull if there, there wasn't no like music in the background, wouldn't it? <laughs> Well, right. it really does make such a difference because, you know, when I did a music course at college, one of our lecturers used to say that everything you hear in this universe is music. And it's something that I always, you know, swear by as well. Yeah. Music is, music is just, it's so fulfilling, isn't it? It really, really is. It is. And it, you know, it says everything that words can't always. Yeah, yeah. I suppose in a way, I would say music can help your mental health. Like if you're maybe putting yes. putting your eyes into someone who who writes a song, maybe you're you want to say how you feel about a certain thing that you're really passionate about, and you put oh, absolutely all, you put all that power into that, and then you kind of let that out. It's like you're proving a point. Well, you are you are proving a point, and then that all goes into that song, and then hopefully that goes far for people to listen to, and um makes them understand a lot better than they did yes absolutely agree that's why it's used so much in teaching as well you know for the same reason yeah yeah music is yeah it, it has to be used doesn't it and I feel like even in like settings that on even schools where like children would should be encouraged to listen to have music in class, even if it keeps them occupied and concentrated in class, I feel. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. I was once in a school where you had a child tapping out rhythms when they were meant to be doing a spelling test and they got told off for it. And I felt strongly against that because it, it motivates them to learn. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
like yeah schools need to improve I think still like um they need to understand more creative needs not just linear absolutely absolutely and with music it's considered an emotional I'm sorry not emotional but it's considered a multiple intelligence because it encompasses language it encompasses mathematics you know if you're into reading the music and the counts and the you know all that stuff um also it evokes different emotion you know whether you're creating the music whether you're listening to it it triggers certain feelings within your emotions within the way you think um and overall expression so it definitely I'm, i'm all for the arts as it relates to education. But also music in its entirety is also its own form of intelligence. Absolutely. A soft science. That's what <laughs> I've heard it called. <laughs> it's a soft science. Yeah. Aspects that can be taught and also is equally aspects that cannot. It's a mystery all rel- relying onto itself. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. I think, like, what like with um like do you have any plans like for the future justine with like music and writing songs or or albums or anything i am actually um currently working on my first album which i hope to release next year oh that's awesome but i also want to do more for the children like later this year uh, next month i'm performing at a school which has always been important to me but also one day I hope to do more for the children, like performing at hospitals and, you know, really being there in person with them when they need that help the most. But also in addition to that, doing things like pub gigs and, you know, other festivals where I may be able to be of service. Yeah. That's that, awesome. That give back good. to the adult, give back to tomorrow's adults and one day they will give back to you. Show them the love, show them lack of love. That's what they will return in the future. And so it goes on and on and on. That's so true. That's so true. That's that's powerful. It speaks volumes in itself. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it sounds it sounds really interesting. I look forward to seeing it or, or hearing more about it, Justine, because um yeah, it's it's always good to continue doing stuff you're you're passionate about. Yes, I'm so sorry for these background noises. It's hard to do two things at once. <laughs> no, not worries, no worries. <laughs> If you've stuck with, if, if, if oh, listeners, if you've stuck with us by now and not got bored of my sounding like an airplane captain, congratulations for making it this far. <laughs> 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 yeah. Justine, you are okay. I, when we first started this series, I was just getting over COVID. So, <laughs> oh, heavens. <laughs> heavens. So, so, there was that lingering cough, the congestion. I had my water, oh. my cough drops, and everything set up in my little area. So, <laughs> yes, that's literally me, more or less, right now. But literally, if this had been this time yesterday, I'd have been like, well, my answer is literally, it was like talking to a, a croaky Dalek. <laughs> yeah, a croaky Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we yeah like with that i i feel like um like it, it 
normally when I actually write episodes on a podcast, I I, I will listen to Doctor Who theme tunes because it I, like <laughs> when I listen to Doctor Who theme tunes, I'm in yes. an ele- I'm in an element like. I picture myself, look, that, that, that's my element where I picture I'm somewhere else and I will listen to the same ones. <laughs> um, ah, no, I understand that. I can relate. It's, you know, not perhaps in Doctor Who terms, but yeah. anything that puts you into that element, that headspace that you can just go and connect with, it can take you anywhere in the world that connects you to what you're doing. Yeah. I understand and relate to that perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It could be any song. It could be a new song. Like, I, 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 not long ago, I listened to a song called Heroes and like yeah. it, has a, it had a, a really good tune and I, I just kept listening to it and like like it relates quite well on in the world and yeah like it's always nice when you hear a new song and then oh, look, I'm gonna change song I'm gonna listen to this one now. <laughs> yes yes I think we all have a theme song <laughs> yeah. I call it the hype song. <laughs> <laughs> I have too many to choose from. (laughs) 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 Depends on your mood. You know, you might have a a typical dancey song to get ready to. If I'm doing something project based, I always have something more esoteric on repeat. Yes, yes. That's me. Gotta have it on repeat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You always have music that relates you to certain things like. There are certain movies, like, for me, from my childhood, if I'm unwell, there are always certain movies that I will go back to because they're such a, com- a comfort, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like, I know what you mean. I, I, always, I, always, I always reach, watch stuff that I've seen before. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, it's, it's, it, it's good, is it? Like, it's a, like a memory thing, like, and if something's really good. Like, if, for example, you could watch maybe a film that you can't remember you watched years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, it, it, especially as an adult, don't you always find that you'll be laughing at something and, and you'll think, oh, how funny, I never realised what that word meant as a child. And now it's just a hundred times funnier because you know the true meaning of what it actually is saying. <laughs> or it will come out a little bit crude and you think, oh my, that was what I see as a six-year-old. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. I've been there all too often. And, you know, <laughs> something else that <laughs> is hilarious is that songs that I would sing as a kid. Yes. Now, as an adult, I'm still singing the words wrong. I've <laughs> <laughs> done that. Got the T-shirt. <laughs> just, just singing what I thought it said. And then it was like, oh, I've been singing that wrong all these years. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like the catchphrase analogy. Say what you say. I could never get those catchphrases. Neither could I. Well, they're too visual for a start. Yeah, yeah. Like even like they're so they're too fast as well. Like you have to be really fast, and I can't fit that fast when they're just certain pictures. <laughs> okay, okay. Sky or anyone who's in charge of audio descriptive services, if you hear this, please make catchphrase available for audio description. Bam, let's have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we we need that don't we <laughs> yes <laughs> my mum will be cooking dinner and we're, like my family never turn their audio off and I would say how come you always keep it on and my mum's like when I'm cooking dinner I like to hear what's actually going on even if I'm not able to see it at the time I'm like oh how interesting yeah they, you know it's things you don't really think of you know yeah <laughs> Go 
great conversation. Great conversation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, Justine, for anyone who's listening, like if they want to maybe contact you, like how how would they find you? Um. Well, I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook. Uh, my personal page. Um. Actually, no, I'll give you my artist page because I have a lot of spam that comes through my personal page. But um, if you look up on Facebook at Justine Lee 89, there hasn't been posts for a few months because I've had a lot going on this year. But I'm going to be starting posting again in the next couple of weeks on Twitter as well. And on Instagram as well, actually, Twitter, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Justine Lee 89. Alternatively, if you want to contact me more directly, I will, my email address is Justine Harrington with two R's at hotmail.co.uk. Okay. So, yeah, so anyone who's listening, watching, you know where to go and find Justine. Um, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure people will. Um, and lastly, um, guys, is there any last thoughts that you want to finish up with, like any last words? None that I can think of. <laughs> what about you, Angela? I just want to say thank you to Justine. This has definitely been a mental health awakening, right? You you came and you really served the theme well. I'm I'm really appreciative of everything that you have had to offer. And just, you know, you're you're a great example. You're a great person to volunteer, to be an advocate, because a lot of what we share comes out of our own personal experiences and I just want to say thank you for being so willing to share and being so patient and actually identifying what the need is as far as making uh, visual impairment more visible. I'm, I'm glad to have been able to do that because there's so much in this world that is invisible to each and every one of us and as I said before just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not real to you. Like otherwise, for instance, people like me, how am I supposed to know a table's there? You've told me it's there, but how do I know it's there just because I can't see it? It's not believing, it's not seeing that mean, that makes things visible to you. It's what you know and what you know in your, to your own true self. And also I would advise anybody, professionals, parents, and people, you know, young adults, don't just go by what other people are telling you is that, 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 that. No, go by your own instincts and don't be fooled or feel that you have to do things a way that other people do. That's their way. But what's yours? Think about that. Yeah, I think that's some really good thoughts, Justine, because yeah. like it, it, it kind of links in with like your, your, gut, your gut instinct again, like go, go with your thought, like trying to educate yourself about these things, not always trusting everyone else because trust is a big worst. Like, like unless you know them pretty well or like even if you do know them well, it's just gaining that trust, isn't it? And just trying to understand a condition yourself uh, to help yes. other people. Absolutely. You know, and also I kind of want to share you a bit of my personal story before we end yeah. I am someone who's gone through the system in a sense of trying to do all the conventional things you grew up doing get a job this that and the other but it's also very easy when things don't work out to feel disheartened and that's now 
but I'm actually very thankful for the things that didn't work out because it's led for me to now what the things that are working out mm. the fact that I volunteer for my highest good but also to help the people who are going to be going through this tomorrow and the day after and the day after that and to do what's right for them is more worthy to me than any job I could have had following rules or someone else's standards that that's you know that to me that's more valuable yeah thank you for sharing your story Justine because um I think I've even learned a little bit more um <laughs> even though <we've, laughs> we, we, we did a Michael Scansel stuff but it's nice for you to come on here and like share about your experiences and and and, and things like about mental health and I think this has been an awakening um I think thank you oh also in context I should tell you I also have my own YouTube channel which is called Justine LH Projects okay but yeah like like it like um I'm sure like Justine you can send me over all, all your links and I can attach it onto the episode and everything afterwards maybe oh absolutely and yeah. um, thank you for having me it's been a real pleasure and honour to be able to to be able to teach others in this way and bring some awareness to light. Thank you for thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Well, <laughs> thank you, Angela and and Justine for for today because um, as we said, like um, this topic does need to be spoken about more, um, and especially by the people like Justine who have it that have it themselves. So. So thank you everyone and to everyone listening and watching we hope you've enjoyed it as as much as all of us and we'll see you next time in another episode of mental health awakening thank you thank you